वक्रतुंडकाय सूर्यकोटिश्रभ निर्विघ्न कुर मे देवर्वकारेशु सर्वदा ओम श्री स्वामी नारायणाय नम ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते रुद्राय ओम ऐं ह्रीं क्ली चामुंडाए विचे सर्वंगलमे शिवे सर्वाथसाधिके शरण्येत्रंबिके गौरीनारायणी नमोस्तुते या देवी सर्वूतेषु महाकालीपेण संस्थिता नमस्त 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 नमो नम ओं नम शिवाय ओं त्र्यंबक यजामहे सुगंधि पुष्टिवर्धनम उर्वाकमिव बंदना मृत्युक्षीयृता अखंडमंगलाकार व्यातमेन चराचर तत्पम दर्शित येन तस्म श्रीगुरव नम अतिरांध्य ज्ञानाजन शलाकया चक्षु मिलित तस्म श्रीगुरव नम गुर्ब्रह्मा गुर्विष्णु गुर्देव महेश्वर गुरुदेव परम ब्रह्म तस्म श्रीगुरव नम ओगुभ्यो नम श्री सद्गुभ्यो नम ओं नमो भगवते रुद्राय ओं नमो भगवते रुद्राय ओं नमो भगवते रुद्राय ओं नमो भगवते रुद्राय ओं नम शिवाय 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 ओं के वेलकम टू डेली सत्संग दिस इज सचिन हियर वीर कंटिन्यूइंग ऑन द थर्ड डे टुडे अटेम्पटिंग टू हैव अ फर्दर एक्सपोजिशन of the third verse of the guru stotram guru brahma guru vishnu guru deva maheshwara our focus uh, in this in the current series is on the shiv tatva the maheshwara tatva bhagwan shiv who is known as the auspicious one and in shaivism considered to be the supreme deity so those who are devotees of shiva in various forms in terms of the lingam in terms of other other types of uh, worship uh, he is considered to be the supreme deity for those who uh, are the shaivas uh, and it is an interesting path as i mentioned yesterday in many ways it is an all inclusive path you know nothing is really rejected but it means what oh, okay. okay so yeah so nothing is really rejected but every experience of life that we have starting with our body body itself is considered to be a form of the shivling this is one of the interpretations body is a great miracle of genetics of nature of the cosmic power and the experiences that the jivatma gets through the body as i mentioned yesterday uh, can all be used in their totality to discover the atma that is one of the most interesting aspects of shiva upasana that the experiences of life these experiences are a doorway into the atma 
why are they a doorway into the Atma? Because every experience is limited. That's why. If, if any experience was continuous and infinite, then that would be not an experience. That we cannot call that an experience. That would just be a state of being. So the difference between an experience and the state of being is this much. That an experience of any kind through our senses, through our mind, is limited. It could be expanded. You can make, expand an experience, no doubt. But it is restricted and limited. Uh, so the realization of the limitation of the experience brings about a connection into the Atma and the Shiv Mantras that are existing, all Shiv Mantra, are a bridge from life's experiences back into the Atma. This is one of the most relevant points in Shiv Upasana particularly because we're not rejecting the life experience. But we're also not getting lost or consumed by the life experience and getting totally bound inside there. And that's the big difference. Every human being has experience of life. In fact, all creatures have some experience. But in the human framework, in the human form, when we are using the word Guru, Guru Devo Maheshwaraha, then Maheshwara is the great God, the supreme being in, in that sense. That the Guru is teaching us all the time. All Gurus are teaching us, particularly those who are uh, holding Shiva within, who are, have realized Bhagavan Shiva. They are teaching us again and again through multitude of paths. And there are many, many Guru Paramparas all throughout the Indian tradition. They are teaching us again and again that the multitude of experiences available through the three Gunas of Maya which include everything in life, you know, which include the whole range of our emotional experience, whole range of our intellectual probing, our, uh, our, uh, our uh, it, it, it also includes the whole range of all interactions with all beings, everything that is, that is in the purview of the senses and our activity. All of that is so vast so all of that becomes a guru for us. The experience itself becomes a guru for us. And that's what's interesting. You know, we think of gurus as physical beings outside, and, and they are, of course, sadgurus, you know, who are outside, they are. But remember that our life experience is perhaps the greatest teacher. If we have the vision to gain wisdom from the life experience. And this is where the Shiv, uh, Bhagwan Shiv, you can see his, his image in the iconography that he is not rejecting anything. You know, if, if you look at the full Shiva tradition, I mean, there are paths in the Shiva tradition which many saints have rejected but they were available at one time and some of them might still be active today. You know, where things like alcohol, sexuality, different kinds of enjoyments, these things are mixed inside, inside the Shiva Upasana. 
And it was really quite interesting that that type of an approach was taken. But even in such an approach, there's a lot of difficulty in that. What happened in the history of India was that people got lost in that. They didn't focus on Shiva. They didn't focus on, on the actual Atma Tattva. They get, the mind has a tendency to get lost and consumed inside the sensory experiences. And then more bondage occurs. So the, that is why Shiv mantras, mantra sadhana is so pivotal because all Shiv Upasana is mantra sadhana. There are stotras, of course. There are many stotras. Shankaracharya has uh, written, others have written. There are lots of devotional bhajans also. But the actual sadhana is the mantra sadhana that is in the Vedas. You know, and that's where we get things like Mahamrityunjaya Mantra and other mantras like that that are right within the, uh, within the Vedic tradition. And those, those Vedas, I'm sorry, those Vedic mantras serve as a direct doorway into the Atma. If one go, goes further and further and further into mantra sadhana and is absorbed inside there, the the internal system gets transformed. So the experiences of life that we get, yes, we still get those experiences, but now those experiences do not bind us and they are seen in a new light. So let's, let's look at some examples. Let's take, for example, the experience of having a family. We all have families. You know, of, of, of different types. We have different, at different stages of life, we have different families. We're born in a family. So, to perceive the family with love, affection, care, yes, we understand that. But we also perceive the intrinsic bondages that are there. <clears throat> so, the perception of the bondages in the experience of a family, that wisdom can directly awaken from Shivupasana by Namashivai Mantra, the Shiv uh, Lingupasana, which we'll mention, talk about later on how that is done. Many ways, the different stotras are, are there, mantras are there. And that, that internal guru has to awaken. You know, so the <clears throat> so the internal awakening of the guru in this case would be to perceive every being in the family, one's physical, you know, family of the body, as a form of Shiva. Then the then the bhav that this limited group of people is mine, through jnana chakshu disappears. Although there is that practical family, there is that practical duty. All of those things are still there, just like they would be for anybody else. <clears throat> the difference would be that the internal vision changes and each human being is seen in the context you know each family member is and then all extended family whoever is there is seen in the context of the existence of Bhagavan Shiv now how is that possible that is possible when we recognize the psychological fixation we have with a limited number of people. 
we all have a psychological fixation where there are images and memories and all kinds of extorted experiences with you know, throughout our life with a certain number of people, maybe 50, 75, 100, 200, 300, something like that. It's usually not more than about three or 400 people at the most for most individuals. And they are living inside the, inside the sukshma sharira. All of that is living inside of us. It's inside of us. That's what shows up in the dreams most of the time. If we haven't seen a friend that we love very much or are attached to, or we had a relationship with someone, and we, have, and we haven't seen that person, or even if we are with that person, that's what's going to show up in the subtle body. And that's what we think about. Most of what we think about is, is this limited framework of a certain number of people, certain interactions we have. Yes, we do need that ability. That ability does have to be, I mean, that needs to be there. But you will notice that Shiv has the third eye, right at the forehead. That third eye, one of the meanings of that, which has, it has countless meanings, but one of the meanings is to open the vision beyond that limited, limited number of people that are revolving within one's mind. And that's very difficult in that sense. Even to understand that, it seems like, wait a minute, if I start, if I, if I do not keep thinking about my family and friends and my social circles and these things, and again, notice the word circle, family circle, social circle, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a limited number of people that the mind is revolving in. <clears throat> so if, if a person says, wait a minute, you know, my God, Am I not to uh, care for these people? No, of course not. You care and love and everything. Functionally and in fact, in, as, a, as a leela, as a play, you, it is, it's an interaction with them. And I mentioned this many times before, that the difference between karma and leela is this. When we get into a, a ego-centered me versus you and the attachment reactions and, and all of that, that is karma. Leela is, is a play, even with the family, with the animals, with the, with the people around us, with the friends, with the co-workers. When, it is an internal, internal opening that becomes Leela. Leela is unattached action and, and then that action is joyful because it is, it is connected with the free state of the Atma. That is why we see Shiva dancing. See, Shiva is meditating all the time in some sense. We, see the, we always see him meditating. But we also see him dancing. That's the beauty of this. The Guru Devo Maheshwaraha is where meditation, tremendous types of meditation, and there are thousands of types of meditation Shiva has taught. From in this history of the scriptures and there's quite a bit of number of scriptures which I will cover later on in this series for sure like Vignan Bhairav Tantra 114 meditation techniques and all that we'll get to all that in this series this series is going to be a little bit longer than even the previous one on the Vishnu Tattva because it just has there's just you know so many different angles uh, in this but anyway the connection between Dhyan, meditation, and Leela, 
the dance. So what is the connection between the two? See, we tend to think, you know, some big saint is there, just dhyan karte hai and all that. It's hard to imagine that person dancing. People are dancers also. It's hard to imagine them meditating. But that's what we see. There are, there are great saints even today who are great dancers and they are also um, great meditators. They don't reject anything, but they are also free from everything. So in our lives, for ourselves, the difference between Leela and Karma is a pivotal one and that distinction is really where the Mahadev, that, that, that the Paramatma that is Mahadev, that is the, that is the ruler of all of the Devatas. See, Devon Ke Dev Mahadev, you know that series that was there actually, Mahadevon Ke Dev Mahadev, it was a serial. Mahadev means that the God of all the gods. What does that mean for us? All of those gods are all energy centers within our body and our mind. That is self-mastery, right? So it is that I am the master of my entire physical and mental body and, and, and all of the energies and all of the different deities within me. That is the Shiva. So that supreme being that is tr transcendent, as we resonate with that supreme being, the mind becomes completely uncluttered. Mind becomes uncluttered, our relationships become uncluttered, everything is perceived within the realm of Maya in terms of its, its function and its purpose without any, without any negative reaction. It's perceived properly and in that perception, in that perception, there is growth. There is the growth of energy within, of course. And in that growth of energy, there is this beautiful connection between meditation and Leela. There are times throughout the day where the bhakti and upasana can be done. Then there are times when other kinds of body movements are done, exercises or whatever. But the enjoyments of the world, it's, it's interesting when we consider the enjoyments of the material world, that's what people are running after. But to masterfully navigate them is a different matter. You know, yes, is it enjoyable to um, go to a party, let's say? Yes, why not? Most people go to parties and things like that. But is it possible to see the Shiv Tattva active even in that realm? In any realm. That is the most interesting part. See, that, that's why you see even the sadhus, they go into the crematories or many of them will go into, into uh, um, other kinds of experiences of the material world. You know, so, so that in any context, in any situation, there is the presence of the, of the material experience and that experience is a guru. Now that experience becomes a guru 
when we are able to directly see the presence of consciousness in that experience that without the life force without consciousness there is no experience of any kind of any kind it doesn't make any difference what the experience is in the waking state or the dream state so the presence of consciousness that is shiva that is the atma tattva that is the paramatma tattva that presence of that sachidananda brahma that consciousness the realization of that consciousness the light behind the senses the light behind the mind the light of all lights that divine light divya prakash that divine light is the me and within that paramatma exists because the experiences of the world as i mentioned as as we can see from our own realization because they are limited doesn't matter how expensive they may get they are limited and they will become old also even if you go into the space shuttle and start orbiting the earth the first time you do it it's like wow this is really great you by the fourth or fifth or seventh time you do it it will eventually become old and if you're sitting on that on that international space station you'll say you know at some point you'll say i can't wait to get out of this place and go back on go back to my house but in the very beginning it was like wow this is really cool amazing incredible trained your whole life for it. and then and then at some point if you're on there too long eventually you can't wait to get out of it this is true with all material experience and when we realize that that is the nature of all material experiences the beauty of this of that of this word that guru uh, gurur devo maheshwara that me, it means that that the experiences we are having as as beautiful they are they can change not to get stuck with any one of them revolve them and by revolving amidst the different experiences in such a way that will build the bridge back into the atma is the essence of shiva upasana to revolve around those experiences but that's the mastery we get we get consumed by the experience that that is the ignorance that we that the jivatma has to get consumed inside the material experience no we don't want to be consumed by the experience we want to masterfully navigate through the range of experiences where such navigation through the range of experiences builds a direct bridge into the atma tattva and that is the most extraordinary thing to realize in in the shiv tattva in the shiv upasana you know the material world is not the enemy it's not the body is not the enemy the mind is not the enemy the real family members are not the enemy in fact there is no enemy this is the interesting point yeah we talk about these inner enemies antrashatru but even they are i mean from a shiv tattva point of view even they are not the enemy this might sound strange there is no enemy there is only 
the me that needs to recognize what is in me. That realization of the me, the psychological me, and then the spiritual me, the realization of the, of the experiences itself without judgment. If that is there, that realization is the atomic realization, is the realization of the self, is the realization of Shiv Tattva. Because there is a total acceptance, acknowledgement and awareness of every experience. But the problem that we have, or I'm using, quote the word problem, I don't, I don't like to use that word very much. The situation we're in is that we judge our experiences as good or bad. We judge them as this should be, this should not be, this ought to be done, this ought not to be done. Why was this done? Why was this, this not done? And then we have regret or we have justification or all those things. We are caught up in the analysis of our experiences based on our own distortions. And that's what's preventing us from realizing the Atma. Rather than to be caught up in the analysis and the justification or condemnation of the experiences, to see it as it is, is what is known as choiceless awareness. Choiceless awareness is just another word for, at, for the for the jnana shakti of the atma. Choiceless awareness is pure observation. There's no egotistical justification that I was right in this and I was wrong in this and this was should have been done this person was wrong and this person was right no you're perceiving in a new light the entire play of Prakriti the perception of the play of Prakriti is freedom from the entanglement of Prakriti and that freedom The, the bridge to that freedom is the Gurudevo Maheshwaraha. Is the entire Guru Tattva that looks at the range of personal experience and human experience, both Samashti and Veshti Samashti. My experience as such and what is my experience in life up to this point I can meditatively see all of it, if I can, if that's my one thing. I can also see meditatively human history, the range of experience. And in doing so, and in doing so, there is the most extraordinary truth that awakens about the nature of the human condition. That's what philosophers do. Those who are philosophers, if you read philosophical writings, they are quite profound. They step back and observe the range of human experience, the human condition. Many tremendous philosophers, in fact, there's a very famous book called, well, famous in the sense, in philosophy circles probably. It's called The Human Condition by Hannah Arndt, A-R-D-N-T, something like that is her name. Amazing, every line is just filled with wisdom, a, pers a perspective on the human condition. So that's the other part. The Shiva is the greatest of all philosophers. 
He's the greatest of all psychologists, psychology beyond psychology, philosophy beyond philosophy, because he's, it is a total awareness of the expression of Mahamaya. Rather than getting, getting bludgeoned by our mind and damaging the energies and damaging the world because of the ahankara, because of the me that is wanting to wanting to bash somebody and wanting to progress at the cost of somebody and all of that thing that we see in the sansara today. It is, we see all of that as a play of the ego. And then the problems that come. See, that is why the chanting of the Rudram is so pivotal. Chanting of the Rudram protects the sadhaka from the ego reactions that are constantly going on within the sansar because even those ego reactions have their source in shiva that is the rudra power so actually the rudram is a prayer to rudra one of the forms of shiva to put down the arrows those are the, 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 the what are those arrows when we have difficulties in life when we have pain suffering problems caused by others caused by situation or our own mind or whatever whatever difficulty comes to us that difficulty is coming from rudra also it cannot come from some other source it, but it comes from the ego reactions of the individualized jivatmas so when we chant the rudram it is a prayer to rudram to to, to, to put down those weapons and allow the Jivatma to move towards higher consciousness through the experience of the material world. I, I, it's a very interesting thing. If you go through the translation of the Rudram, it is, a, it is an extensive, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's more than what I'm explaining here. But this is one of the central ideas within it. And it is done through mantra. You know, so it, it is jam-packed with wisdom, jam-packed with spiritual power, jam-packed with protective power. It is, it, is, it, is a, it, is, it is one of the most intense mantras ever written anywhere. You know, right from the Mahanyas and the Lagunyas into the Rudram and then the Chamakam. These three are extraordinary. And they, in my opinion, if people sit with them regularly, it is going to protect the family, protect the individual. It will, it will open the door further and further into better experiences of life. And beyond that, ultimately into the Shiva Tattva. In each sound of the Rudram, it is not normal language. No. Each sound, each mantra of the Rudram is Rudra itself, is a form of Shiv itself. So Mahamrityunjay mantra is also part of that. You know, and it is an extensive series of mantras. And if they are chanted, with understanding of their meaning to some extent at least, with devotion, with asking Bhagwan Shiv to just bless us. And if they're chanted in that way, with this understanding 
of Gurudevo Maheshwara as we are mentioning about the material world, it, you will see that that's exactly what's shown there and much more, much, much more. The Chamakam Stotra, the Chamakam series of mantras, this not a Stotra, the, the uh, Chamakam mantras actually, are all about the fact that everything in the material world is mine. That's what it is. Amazing. It's absolutely remarkable. Which, which means that the material reality, rather than my getting scared of the material reality, the material reality is coming is under the purview of the Atma Tattva. What is there to be scared of and who is there to be scared of? Once you have that internal awakening and power, nothing in the material reality can afflict or damage one's energy or damage one's realization or, or affect the individual in any negative way. That kind of intense power is present in the Rudram and the Chamakam. And then of course, of course, from doing the, doing the mantra sadhana, then keeping one's intelligence awakened towards Vedanta. And that is really where this really leads by going into the different stotras and mantras and all, all and whatnot. Once you go through all of that, it opens the door into a realization of the Advaita Vedanta. Advaita Vedanta is simply this much that the, that the Jivatma is unbounded from the fetters of the, of the three gunas and the three, three bodies. It has, it has become freed from its entanglements and it realizes that it is the same as the Akshara Brahma. Brahm, the Jeev and the Brahman are one. This is the essence of Advaita Vedanta. And even the Vaishnav Acharyas or even the, those on the devotional side have accepted this and particularly like Sajanan Swami Maharaj, Bhagwan Swami Narayan, he has really pulled together Advaita Vedanta and Bhakti Marg and Yoga Marg and he put it all together. Because it is together. You cannot separate these things. You know, when you pull it together, what do you find? Dijatmanam Brahmarupam Dehatraya Vilakshanam what do you find? You find that who you are, Nija Atma, one's Atma, the Atma the, the, the Jivatma, there is Brahma Rupa. You don't consider yourself as body Rupa, Deha Rupa with the mixtures of all of this thing. So the Shiv Upasana, the Shiv Mantras lead us to the realization through the experiences of the material world and the family and job and career, the 12 dimensions of life. Well, the, through that experience and by getting unclutched by those experiences, seeing the height of those experiences and recognizing the utter limitation of those experiences, one moves through them using the Rudram and the Chamakam Mantras as a prayer for unobstruction. One moves eventually into the state to realize scriptures like Vivek Chudamani, like Audud Gita, like the <clears throat> like the fifth skand of Srimad Bhagavatam, <clears throat> the Yoga Shastra. Things like, you know, the higher realization that is beyond the, the confused vortex of the mind is available in Shiv Upasana for everybody 
and is an open upasana for everyone. If there are guru para, if there are gurus that one has and one takes diksha in any particular sampradaya or guru parampara, it's okay. One can worship anybody can worship Shiva. You know, I mean, there's no particular diksha or anything like that required for that. Because once you start going towards the Shiva path, he's going to show you all colors, every kind of color, because the because that is the that is the beauty of the Shiva Shakti, that the Brahmanda is has been created for the Jivatmas to experience the 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 multifaceted expression of maya now one may just want it depends on what one wants as I, if one wants more and more of that expression of maya one can get that too mayaskarayacha there's a name actually of shiva if that's what you want you get that somebody will say well i want to have you know 10 kids, I want to have this big home, I want to have big cars, I want to have this, I want to have this, I want to, material experience. Yes, it is possible to worship Shiv, worship Shakti, it's possible to worship and do the sadhanas of different types and, and if you do it with good devotion, whatever sadhana you do, you will get the fruit of that. And then from that fruit, Hopefully, a realization will occur that this is limited and from that thing, you will not ask for any more fruits. From God, you will only ask God, not any fruit from that. You will say, whatever you want to give, you give for my sustenance. That is the Nishkam Bhakti. So, the, the Sakam Bhakti, Sakam means with desire, we want certain things to happen. Okay, you get them. But once you get them, there's, they are needed also in life. It's not like that. But at some point, the devotion increases where from God, you only want God because that is the source of joy. From Bhagwan, you want only Bhagwan. You don't want anything else. And again, when I use the word God or Bhagwan, this is not some imaginary you know, uh, thing like that. It is, it is a experiential realization. If you're, for example, Shiva, somebody will say, well, you're worshipping some deities and temples and this is all mythology and what nonsense is all this thing? People say this all the time. I said, wait a minute, back up for a moment. You don't have to believe in anything. Take the Namah Shiva Mantra and experiment with it. Experiment. Take a mala and start doing Namah Shiva Mantra. You don't even have to think of Shiva as a deity or anything. Just stay with that mantra. See what happens. See what is your experience. See what happens internally. And you know, if one has study of Puranas and, and, and scriptures and all that, and one develops faith and does it that way, that will add force to that whole process. But this is but Sanatana Dharma is an experimental phenomena. It's an experience, experiential, experimental evolution. It is not simply based on okay, you believe these certain doctrines, you believe that. You do some rituals here and there, and then game is, and that's all. God will bless you. It's not like that. That's really not what, although many, many parts of the Sanatana Dharma have become like that, that's not its actual uh, uh, um, process. It, it, it's, it's, its process is to sit with the deities, the, the mantras, the different scriptures, and discover for yourself what is the truth. It is a discovery 
rather than simply a fixed set of doctrines and beliefs. That's the difference. In the Western religions, they start with fixed set of doctrines and beliefs, and then they're promoting them. That's another way to go. Uh, and, and then they are trying to progress through that. But by, by this is our belief. This is what we believe. You believe this thing. You accept this thing. Live this kind of life and God will bless you. Jesus will bless you. Or Allah will bless you. Or somebody will bless you. And that will be the end of it. And then you'll get liberation or you'll go into heaven. This is, this is what... The, it is based on faith. It is based on belief. Most of the, the Abrahamic traditions. And that is another approach. We also have that approach. That faith-based approach. But that's developed in tradition. It, it, the actual approach is not so much based on faith. Faith is something that comes out of experience. That's the difference. So, so if someone is sitting with Namashivai Mantra as an example, or starts listening to the Rudram, and has, it, it is experience-based. Oh, this is the experience. My mind has become more clear. There's the experience of the chakras. There's this, you know, whatever. There's the experience of the divinity. It's a much more mystical approach rather than a simply a psychological uh, faith-based approach. You know, one can have faith and psychological faith, but that may just be the beginning. I mean, and, and that can be based on tradition. If a child is born in the Hindu family or like a family that worships Shiva, there's a faith in Shiva and all that, that develops. But if that, that could be there. And then that's one way to proceed. But if the person begins to study it and actually goes into the experience, I want to experience what it is. That's a whole different matter. See, that's why like during Shivratri, you know, why do you do 24 hours or 12 hours of, of the puja? Because that, there's a certain cosmic alignment there. There's a certain experience available. If you go through that, then that, that helps you for your whole year. There's, there's a science behind it. You know, so there's a spiritual science behind it. The point is simply that all of these upasanas are experience-based. They are based in the evolution of energy and the mind into a greater state. And particularly, I'll just say this before closing today, particularly the evolution out of the vortex of the subtle body, sukshma sharira. The sukshma sharira is the biggest prison for humanity, in my opinion. The whole of humanity is trapped in the Sukshma Sharira. Sukshma Sharira is the subtle body. And, we, and that's what shows up at nighttime in the dreams. Even during our daytime, that's what we're thinking about all the time. But yes, we need that to some extent. But we don't want to be caught in that. And, to, and if the Sukshma Sharira is transcended, once we come out of the clutches of that, the eight siddhis appear, ashta siddhi, navanidhi, tremendous things appear at that point that are beyond the clutches of the mind, clutches of the subtle body. And then from there, ultimately into the atma tattva, paramatma tattva, so much appears for the sadhaka. That's why you see yogis sitting in one place, eating minimal food, eating, just having minimal things, but they are rich from inside. They have opened the door beyond the subtle body. And once you open the door beyond the subtle body, there is infinity. I mean, there's no end to where you can go. What can, there's no end to the experiences, the spiritual, psycho-spiritual experiences and beyond. That is why the real wealth is this inner awakening towards Shiva, towards the Atma. This external wealth is there, but as much external wealth anybody may have. 
wealth, they may have experiences of the material as, as high as they could be, as deep as they could be, and they are available through Shiva Shakti Upasana. They are restricted and limited and there's a boundary around them and that wisdom to see the boundary, I'm saying this again for myself more than anybody else, the wisdom to see the boundary is the key. In, in Gunatitanan Swami Nivata, one of the sages of Bhagavan Swami, he said, Vishayanu Sukh Shanik Che, Atmanu Sukh Akhanda Che, in Gujarati language. Vishayas, any, any expansion of the Vishayas, it is for the moment. It is, a, it is for some period of time. And then it goes away. It's like a bubble. It, it is there. We cannot deny its existence. It is there. But it is going to go. And because it is going to go, that is an indication to discover the Atma, the happiness of the Atma, the Ananda, that is the Atma. Alright, so let's stop here and we will continue this next time, tomorrow.